Welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast, where we take your questions from Sunday's teachings in order to form a dialogue about the scriptures and what God is teaching each and every one of us. Well, welcome back to the Beyond the Sermon podcast here today, Sunday, January 30th. And this morning we were in Acts chapter 15, looking at verses 1 through 28, which really is the the final movement of this first missionary journey. We see Paul and the gang, they're out in central Turkey, and they're going to begin to make their way back to Antioch of Syria. And that's where Luke's going to end the... um, and the passage with them going back to their sending church in Antioch and reporting about all that God has done. And so this morning we explored this idea of faith and what it is and how it's a a forward-looking trust that is rooted for us as Christians. It's rooted in God's past provisions. Well, here on the podcast today, I'm joined by uh, Pastor Wayne Stewart. He's our pastor of support ministries. So Wayne, just uh, unpack that for us. What does that mean? What do you do? Yeah, I have the opportunity to serve here in a couple general areas. One is communication and uh, then um, operations and uh, tech and basically coaching and working alongside both the key staff and volunteers in those areas. And then I also have some specific uh, sort of uh, more granular tasks uh, in the areas of our planning rhythms and some project management. Uh, Wayne helps to keep the wheels on the bus. And he does a really good job, helps to keep us organized and moving forward and working well as a team. I mean, so this weekend, uh, last two weekends, we've averaged over 4,000 people in the building uh, between Upward and all of the ministry stuff that's going on. And so we're probably pressing around 5,000 for the entire week. That's a lot of people and that's a lot of stuff going on. And so Wayne helps us to make sure that all the systems are in place, that everybody's been communicated with, that everything, you know, is, is functioning well. And so if you ever like, if you ever look around and go, huh, this all seems to work well, it's because of Wayne. So Wayne, thank you so much for your, your work keeping the wheels on the bus here. Yeah, you bet. Well, and it would also be Jeremy and Jonathan and oh, the yeah. rest of the team. Great yeah. folks. So. No, we have a wonderful team. Yep. So. And then a staff team that uh, just is a, they're great collaborators. Yeah. Yeah. Look at you being humble. <laughs> well, Wayne, so we're talking about faith here today. And uh, and a lot of really good questions here came in this morning. And it really is kind of rooted around that idea that we explored is that faith can feel very mystical to us at times. We can over-spiritualize faith, right? Um, when in reality, we kind of understand faith, uh, right? You've got a mortgage, you've got a loan, you send a good, a good faith lending agreement. You know, we understand this. Um, but yet when it comes to God, we, we, we can easily add some layers to it. Um, or we're just, life is just hard and it's hard to look forward and go, okay, I know that I can trust, I can trust God to be good in what's ahead because all I can see is I'm not sure what's coming. And and so you've been following Jesus for how many years? Got saved when I was 12. So, uh, a few, a few, a few, and you're only 45. So ish, ish. yeah, (laughs) 45 plus. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Well, so you've been following Jesus for a, a substantial number of years here. And I thought as we just open this conversation, I would love to hear from you. How have you seen God? So faith is a forward-looking trust rooted in his past provisions. How have you seen God provide in your life? And how did that motivate your forward-looking trust? Yeah, I think uh, that's the advantage of time, right? Yeah. Uh, is that uh, there's sort of a cumulative effect of God's faithfulness uh, over and over. And I, I think I've reflected a few times at key moments in my life that faith feels often to me like just not giving up. Yeah. Because it's so tempting in the moment to go, 
I'm overwhelmed. This is just too much, and I can't square up who I believe and know God to be with my circumstances, or at least the emotional impact of that, <clears throat> and continue moving forward. And so it really feels like I, I should just give up here. Yeah. But I think that faith gets built on those moments when we actually actually say, and maybe not even with the strength that we would like to say it, I'm not going to give up. Yeah. Right. I mean, it could be a, no, I'm just not going to. Yeah. And I think that's more my story. Uh, like I, I have not experienced some of the hardship that, uh, I know others have, but there have been things in my life that would be difficult to square up if you were just going to present them as why did God do this? Mm. What was he at here? Is Mm. God really good in these moments? Definitely some hard things, both with my family and, uh, I think some things with, you know, work. I didn't come into uh, ministry right away out of college and there were some disappointments there, um, that I had to work through, but definitely seeing God's plan in his hand overall. So it's felt like getting to those moments and going, you know what, I have enough right now to just not give up. Yeah. And then that builds on itself and that builds uh, on a little bit more. And that's such a good phrase. I appreciate that. What you're saying, it's I've, God has given me just enough to not, just to take the next right step. I know that's something I've heard of like, you know, obedience. Obedience isn't about this long game. You know, I'm going to be obedient for the next 10. We would like, we have the ambition to be obedient for the next 10 years, 20 years, however the Lord Lord has for us. But obedience is really about just that next right step. And as you're saying here, faith in your life has been, you've, you've looked and seen that how God's given you just enough to not give up. Yeah. And that's, that's cool. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, by nature, I can be stubborn. And yeah. uh, maybe that's a little bit of my uh, ethnic background, <laughs> potentially. Uh, the people of the hills uh, uh, tend to be that a little bit. Uh, but yeah. I think that hopefully God is sanctifying that. So it becomes maybe a little bit of sanctified stubbornness. Right? Yeah. That, no, I'm, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give in to the moment. Yeah. Uh, and then... I'm so glad that I didn't. <laughs> I yeah. look back 20 years from now and I go, I'm so glad I didn't give in to the moment then or 15 yeah. years ago or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I would say that's a bit of the pattern in my life. Yeah, that's such a good word. Such a good word. And I think it, it plays in here as we were speaks well to here as we're about to answer some some of the questions. Uh, first question that comes uh, is uh, just a great, honest question. If faith requires knowledge of God's past provisions, how do people with no knowledge of God come to faith? And they give great examples here. Uh, Abraham or, or unreached people groups. So Abraham, uh, father of, you know, in Genesis chapter 14, God makes a covenant with him. He's Abram is his name. He's changed to Abraham later. Um, and, and, or unreached people groups, people that are living and cur- currently living, but are in context where the gospel has not been proclaimed. And we think literally the, the passage we're in this morning in Lystra they're an unreached people group. The gospel has not been proclaimed there yet. And so Paul goes into that. Um, but how do, how, if faith does require knowledge of, pa- of God's past provision, what about people who have never seen God's past provision? How would you answer that question? Yeah, I think a couple of things there for me in uh, Romans has always been an encouraging yeah. sort of, uh, it feels like a sequence. It's not, it's not a formula by any stretch of the imagination, yeah. but it feels like God, uh, revealing himself in creation, yeah. uh, and giving us that, 
uh, sense of his faithfulness at putting it all together and holding it all together. Yeah. And then uh, we see the idea of conscience that comes in. So there's three C's here, creation, conscience, and Christ. So yeah. you get to conscience, and it says basically that we've been given eternity in our hearts, and we yearn for this yes. sense of the eternal and, and yeah. that which is more than us. And so we tend to look for what that might be. And responding that way is faithfulness as well, at least at the moment that we have what we have. And then Christ being the culmination and the actual clarity of what God did in sending his son. So again, I wouldn't say that Romans presents it as a, if you do this one, you'll get the next one and you'll get the next one. But I think that the, again, the cumulative effect of all three shows God's faithfulness in ways that maybe um, the word of Christ actually hasn't specifically been yet. The other thing I thought of this morning when you were preaching was um, this guy who, um, responds in faith, or at least Paul sees that he has the faith to respond, right, and be healed. Well, Paul was preaching, and any of the other preaching that happens in Acts is the breadth of God's faithfulness from creation through Christ, right? And so you go, that's probably what he was telling this crowd. And so this guy, even if he had never heard that before, his heart responded to what he was given there. And so it's, it could be likely as well that it wasn't a personal faith response for him. It was a response of God's faithfulness broadly and then he personalized it. And so I thought, man, maybe there was some of that going on there too. Yeah. I I think you're, I think you're right there, especially for this man who's been paralyzed since birth. Uh, you know, there's something there. There's something yearning in his heart for the divine. Um, uh, you know, I mean, because the, the Greek word there, what says, you know, uh, his faith for healing, it literally means for salvation mm-hmm. to be made whole. Yeah. And he hears something in Paul, yeah. right? There's something that has has, has sparked his imagination and his th- those inner deeper longings that there is this, call it a benevolent creator. Yeah. A, you know, um, I think Peter... Um, Oh, I just lost his name. Um, philosopher. Uh, Kreeft? Uh, no. No, it's going to come to me here in a second. Anyway, um, he uh, he states them. it's a ma- maximally great being. It's a Peter take. Peter Pan? Peter Pan. The, the, the late great <laughs> theologian Peter Pan. It's a take on uh, Anselm of Canterbury's um, ontological argument for the existence of God. And he says, it's creation cries out that there is this maximally great yeah. being. And, uh, and and so that's it, right? This this This... Yep. God that exists, I don't know who he is yeah. exactly. I've heard all these different things, yeah. but I know that there's something out there. And I think and when we come back to these examples of Abraham, Abraham is a very religious guy. Right. He's, a, he's a polytheist. He's worshiping idols. And there's something that's dis- uncomfortable inside of him about this. Yeah. And so God reveals himself. Abraham doesn't place his faith in God before God reveals himself. God first reveals himself and then Abraham places his faith. And yeah. it's, so it's, I, I think it's, this, you know, as we look in through the scriptures, it can be, again, this is the difference between remarkable faith and blind faith. Yeah. As we talked about, and we can look at some of these examples or even unreached people groups. I think, like you said, Paul in Romans, he says, he has left us without excuse. Yeah. And literally Paul's words in Romans chapter one, he's left us without excuse. Why? Because we can look at the creation and know that there's a creator. And, and uh, and, and he's put eternity into our hearts, right? And so as we look at these things, we can, we can see evidence for a creator. I think when we look at unreached people groups, I've got a friend who works specifically at training pastors to reach unreached people groups. And the stories that come out of those areas are stories of miracles, yeah. stories of people being healed and visions and Jesus coming like he came to Paul in the Damascus Road, mm-hmm. you know, angels and those kind of things. And I think 
Why is God doing that in those contexts? Well, because the gospel hasn't been brought by word yet. Yeah. You know, and, and it becomes a, actually a question here that builds into another question of what are what's the purpose of the healings? And how much faith do we have to have to be healed? How do we pray for faith to be healed? Uh, these are, you know, these are kind of <laughs> uh, tricky questions that we could go yeah. into here. And, um, and I think, you know, as, as this idea, I think one of the things that stands out to me as we've read the book of Acts is that literally um, every time a miracle has happened, it's, it's clarified who Jesus is. Yeah right? It moves forward to make the gospel clear. It's not a miracle to stand alone on its own for its own ends. And and so, I mean, as you think about that whole idea of how much faith do we have for healing? What was the purpose of this healing? What really got this guy healed in this passage? And are there a bunch of other sick people or lame people or paralyzed people in this town that didn't get healed? You know, how do we wrestle with those things? Yeah. Yeah. I, I try and stay away from an either or on some of yeah. those things. Like if we set it up as uh, we've got a drop down menu of one option or another that we have to choose to yeah. fill out a form or something, right? You yeah. go, that's really not the way that the breadth of scripture presents this, right? I mean, yeah. God's works um, show his majesty and his glory. They also show his mercy, uh, both individually and globally. So, Yes, it's absolutely true that God wanted to and did heal this guy's malady. Yeah. And his life was completely different after yeah. that, right? Um, but it's also true that he wanted people to understand something about him that yeah. would be present in the healing, but also in the, the preaching that went alongside it. Yeah. So you go, it's again, it's it's more of a, you know, all of the above, the answer D, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, it, anything that reinforces God's, plan and provision and his nature and his character always works with yeah. the actual proclamation of those things. Yeah. So um, again, it's hard for us because we want to tend towards a one or the other on this, yeah. but if we can stay back from that in the tension of it just a little bit, I think we see God's character a little bit more. Yeah. I, th- I think you're right. I think it's, it's good as we try to stay back from those things. Um, you know, part of it too is, is, is that who's in control, you know, and is God just if he doesn't heal everybody in Lystra? I mean, you know, we see Jesus as incarnate ministry on earth. He doesn't heal everybody, but yeah. he talks about a future healing that will come. Yeah. Paul in First Thessalonians chapter 4, he's talking about death. He's talking about a bodily resurrection there. In, and in First Corinthians chapter 15, he talks about this bodily resurrection that the seed we sow into the ground at death is a kernel that when it comes back in in the bodily resurrection, when Jesus comes back and the, the saints that have gone before are caught up in the air with him uh, as he's in that second return, oh, then there will be a bodily resurrection. And what has been planted will not look anything like what will be resurrected. And, and so even Jesus in his incarnate ministry helps us to resist that, you know, uh, how much faith do I need? You know, what's going on? If God doesn't heal me, is it because God doesn't love me or I've done something wrong? No. No, because our hope in our, is not in our current bodily redemption. Our hope is in our future, this future redemption, this future that healing that only comes through Christ. And it's a miracle of God and a grace of God that we get to experience it here and now in part for what we'll experience yet uh, in the future in full. And I, I love the theologian N.T. Wright. He says this, and uh, I always speaks to me because I'm the kind of guy that likes to have my faith and my philosophy logical, reasonable, and buttoned up. And uh, and when it goes to these questions of miraculous healings and those kind of things, uh, N.T. Wright, he says, 
uh, who is also a guy who will admit likes to have his faith and <laughs> he's a really smart guy. Yeah. Like to have likes to have everything buttoned up. He'll go, and yet then God will do something that is undeniably God, just to remind me that I'm not God. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think what's but what's critical is in the text what we always see these healings, these miracles. They always clarify Jesus. And like you said, I appreciate that, Wayne, is that we have to live in the tension of what is God actually doing? Who is God? Let's clarify his nature and, and know that I'm not, Yeah, you know? And so, and with the future hope that it's not just here and now that we want redemption or we're, we're yearning for redemption. It's a miracle that we can experience it here and now and uh, ultimately fully in, into the future. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, it, you know, we can get to the point where we're asking the question of, do I have enough faith? It sort of enters into the gray zone of faith becoming a work, right? Yeah. And so that's also something that we don't want to do. Yeah. It's difficult to not go there sometimes, yeah. but um, at what point do we transition into, it's actually the substance of our faith that saves us, right? Yeah. It, or, or heals us in that moment. And you go, well, that's not what scripture says at all. Yeah. So uh, difficult because the language lends itself towards thinking that, right? Yeah. But if God is who he is and he is completely good and completely in control, yeah. that's the point at which we stand on that. And the other thing is a little bit unknown. Yeah. Yeah. At what point is our cooperation with the spirit, us cooperating and us being led to cooperate. Yep. Right. Uh, it, you know, it's, it is just this, it is this difficult mystery. And, and I think, I think it's okay to leave it in that, in that sense there as well. But if you've been praying for healing, I want you to hear this and you haven't experienced it. It's not because you have a lack of faith. Absolutely. Um, it, we, we pray according to God's will. And, and so what is God's will for your life now, we may not see it here in the moment, exactly how he is going to use our suffering or our hardship for our good and his glory. Um, and, and yet what we trust is that he will because we have seen his past provision. And it's super, you know, it's important. I think this comes to another question of how when we're in the midst of hardship, when we're struggling, uh, when all the things that we can see around us are tangibly dangerous and difficult, you know, the criticisms, the sneering, how do we overcome those? So if we're struggling with, you know, do we have enough faith? Does, does God really love me? He hasn't healed me or taken care of this? Or everything around me just seems so hard. Am I, am I doing something wrong? Is this Jesus thing really the thing to be following? You know, how do we, how do we continue? How do we press on? Or Wayne, as you said, how do we just not give up. Yeah. Uh, I think lately too, I've been in uh, Psalms kind of 10 through 15, 16, and I'm reminded again that there's these contrasts of uh, sort of the righteous and the wicked, the vile and the noble, yeah. um, the, um, uh, the, uh, uh, the godly and the ungodly. Mm. You get these, these broad contrasts in Hebrew, pro Hebrew poetry, right? Yeah. But what it does is it sets up the ability to emotionally say this is not right. Yeah. And to be able to say it in a very visceral fashion. Yeah. So we miss a little bit of that because we speak English, right? And so we read it in, in the way that we read it. Wait, you don't read the Psalms in Hebrew? <laughs> yeah, no, not, <laughs> oh, not on a daily basis. So I'm yeah. not the only one that yeah, can't yeah, yeah. do that. Okay, um, But what it does for us is it shows us that uh, the heart of God is completely inclined and open towards us saying this is not right. Yeah. Whether it's something that we see broadly in 
culture and society and yeah. our world, uh, the injustice that reigns, the hardship. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are people across the globe who suffer every single day mm. of their lives, and mm. we know so little of that. So yeah. God opens the door for us to say, this is absolutely not right, and I'm not okay with it. Here's the key, though. Each of those psalms, at least most of them, yeah. always land in a moment of saying again, but I will trust the goodness of God yeah. in this. And so they basically say, I'm not going to give up at this point, yeah. right? But they don't shy away from saying how hard it is, and that could be personally or that could yeah. be, again, you know, something more systemically. But I would say that that gives us a really good pattern in those moments in our lives to say, okay, it might not even be about overcoming this right now, yeah. but again, it might be about how do I stay in the game, Lord? How yeah. do I even process this moment right now? And some of it has to be with brutal honesty before God, but then reminding ourselves of who he is. Yeah. I love that. I think, I mean, those Psalms of lament, you know, I mean, we have a whole book of the Bible called Lamentations where God literally, part of our prayer life is to be protesting the brokenness of this world. God doesn't delight in the brokenness of this world. Yeah. He grieves it. And, and when we protest it, when we lament it, when we say, how long, O Lord, we are grieving it with him. Uh, you know, I think the hard thing for us is because we cannot, we are finite and we cannot see, we can see possible outcomes, but we can't see the outcome. And because of that's our position, when we read biblical narrative, we read the story of Job, who suffered immensely. And yet we don't, we read it, we can read the 42 chapters of Job in what, 20 minutes, half an hour. Uh, and we go, oh, okay, this just happened over a course of successive hours. No, this was months. This yeah. was years of this man's life. And he had friends coming to him and saying, curse God and die. His wife came to him and said, curse God and die. Yeah. Just give up on it all. And so... Um, I think, you know, when we look at that, like you said, we hear from God that it's okay for us to cry out our pain to him, to protest the brokenness of this world. But how do we continue to persevere in that, one, in that participation with God? But also looking back to Job's example, it's Elihu. Mm -hmm. It's the one good godly friend that says, God hasn't forgotten you. Yep. God hasn't given up on you. Let's look for the evidence of God's faithfulness, even if it is so microscopic that, you, that when you're in your hurt and your sorrow and your pain and your trauma— you can't see it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here to remind you of that. So I think as we look at the challenges around us, how do, we, how do we move forward faithfully? How do we not give up? It's like you said, it's engaging God's word, knowing in our prayer life that we can protest that, but also then be connected in community with other godly people that are going to remind us of God's faithfulness when our vision is obscured by our suffering. Yeah, amen. You know? um, well, one last question here that came through is... Uh, um, it is again, this idea of faith, faith to heal. And, uh, was it because, uh, uh, was it because of the crippled man's faith that God used Paul to heal him and, and kind of coming in, in again, in that direction of, um, how do we, how do we know that we are operating in, in, in faith, you know? And, uh, uh, yeah, what, as you, as you would say, again, maybe it was a fruit or a picture of that from your life of how, you know, you're operating in in, in honest faith. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say that it's been more of a process of um, trusting and in, again, um, not necessarily the outcome that I'm looking for, but the one who can affect the outcome. Yeah. And so it, it's become much, much more about God's nature and his character for me than the actual moments. I mean, there are some things that didn't resolve themselves the way yeah. I wanted in my life. Yeah. And, uh, 
caused a, an immense amount of pain. And so I can't look back at those and go, hey, you know what? I think I walked through those faithfully, and yeah. yet it didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. So yeah. that would be a mismatch if I did that. Instead, it's been, okay, I'm going to have to trust your nature and your character. God's not trying to trick us, right? No. He's, yeah. not, he's not Loki. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's not the, you know, the heavenly trickster who's yeah. just like, hey, I can pull out the rug from under him, you yeah. know, kind of thing. That's not who he is. No. And whenever we even allow ourselves a little bit to step into that, and granted, it, it happens, right, because of our circumstances. But if we allow that to linger, yeah. it creates a misshapen understanding of the of the one that we're supposed to follow and trust in anyway. So the question for me is, if, am I being faithful? Again, is more, am I being faithful to him? Mm. Not necessarily, am I being faithful to them enough for the moment to turn out the way that I want it yeah. to? Yeah, and again, it comes back to that tension of, who is who is the sovereign one? Who is the who is the king of my life? Who is the the hero of my of my story? And you know, and again, as we wrap this up, I, I just want to affirm again. I think as you've shared your story, Wayne, I'm reminded again as I looked at the text here this week and said, it's remarkable faith. It's not blind faith, but it is remarkable. Yeah. And, and when we look at the stories in Scripture, we see remarkable faith. And remarkable faith is not easy faith. This is not like, oh, you should just be faithful. Yeah. What's wrong with you? It's hard. Yeah. It's hard, but I think that's why God gives us other people and he gives us tangible expressions of his provision in our lives because he knows it's hard. And so that's a good that's a good gift. So, Wayne, thanks for uh, for joining us here today on the Beyond the Sermon podcast and just wrestling through this 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 topic that feels so natural to us and yet man, it's just it's hard. You know, so thanks for thanks for being here. You bet. It's always good to talk it through. Yeah. Well, we'll see you next week on the Beyond the Sermon podcast.